Hey everybody, my name is Jake and alongside me are Liz, Spencer, and Corey of CITR Sports, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus located on the unceded grounds of the Musqueam people. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9, always keep you up to date with the latest UBC news, standings, and stories. We're not starting at our usual time, that's because today we have a special extended episode for you all as Jacob Ayer has found a way to make an appearance on Thunderbird Eye again. He was able to sit down with an exceptional third-year setter and utility player of UBC women's volleyball in order to find out what has made her one of the most potent weapons on a loaded Thunderbirds roster. Without further ado, here's an interview with Olivia Furlan. With me here now is a standout player from UBC Women's Volleyball Program. In just her third year at UBC, she's already proven herself as a leader for her teammates and arguably has been one of the most versatile players on the team over the past three years. I'm pleased to announce that sitting beside me is none other than number 16, then number 12, and then finally number two. We'll touch on it a bit later, but it's Olivia Ferlin. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So how is it coming off of the bye last week, a weekend where you guys were kind of sitting in the limelight, you just swept the Trinity Western Spartans, yeah. who were previously unbeaten. Yeah, no, it was super fun weekend. We were so looking forward to that. You know, we trained so hard leading up to that. Like, our practices, they've never been more intense. And, yeah, it was just really awesome. It was nice to get that break after such a hard week of training and then rested up a little bit this weekend, and we're ready to go for this coming weekend of Thunderstruck game. And can you tell me a bit about yourself, some background, what got you into volleyball? Oh, okay, well... I guess I actually started out playing tennis. That was my... Tennis? Yeah, I was a big, big tennis player. Um, was, How old were you when you started with that? I think I was, i say grade three, grade four, I started playing tennis. And I kind of had a knack for it. I was pretty competitive. Hand-eye was pretty good, so I was like, okay, I'm liking this. And then I'd be... Hence the setter position. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd be training really early in the mornings, before school, actually. I'd be training with girls that were a little bit older than me and a group of guys that were a little bit older than me. It was the elite tennis group at the Calgary Winter Club. And I really enjoyed it, but my sister actually started playing volleyball when she hit grade seven, so I was in grade five, and then I was kind of like, oh, like I like this sport, and more and more I just shifted towards volleyball, and just, yeah. So the tennis dreams were given up right around that same time, like middle school kind of trans- transitioning into high school? Yeah, a little bit. I would say once I hit grade seven, I had full-on decided, like, no, nah, like, t- her volleyball is definitely, like, where I want to be. Yeah. So Sophia, your sister, is really who got you into volleyball. She actually plays for UBC Okanagan. Mm-hmm. I was going to bring this up. So what is it like playing against her? She's libero principally for the team. Yeah. She's in her fifth year now. Mm-hmm. And I actually had the pleasure to call a game, I don't know if you're aware of this, between you two. Oh, and yeah. I saw when, she, when you served to her. Mm-hmm. What is it like in those moments when you play against her? It's weird. I guess like you don't really want to pay attention to it because you're trying to you know, stay in the zone and not really focus on that because it could kind of throw you off your game a little bit. But I don't know. I guess it's all fun and games. You know, I... Sorry, do something good, and I'll give her a little nod, a little thumbs up, or then if I'll see her do something bad, I'm like, it's okay, like, get over it kind of thing. Like, I'm kind of trying to support her from the other side of the net. I don't really like serving her, actually, because it kind of gives her the opportunity to screw up, although it would, like, make me look good, but I don't know. We're competitive, but not competitive to the point where I don't want her to do good. Sounds like a bit of a complicated dynamic. Yeah, it definitely is. It's definitely a little bit, like, don't want to step on anyone's toes. I mean, obviously... We're both so similar when it comes to, like, we both want to win and we'll do anything for that. But if I don't need to serve her to win, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> and for your parents, what is the whole role? I did 
did a bit of background research. Mm-hmm. Your mom, she doesn't come to games, <laughs> correct? Sarah is her name? Yeah, my mom's name is Sarah. Yeah, she sometimes comes, sometimes she feels like it's a little bit, it's tough, you know. I mean, as she's up in the stands, kind of has to sit halfway, doesn't really know when to clap, when to just kind of keep it shut. So, I don't know. It's all fun and games, though. I mean, they're both super supportive and they're... In the end of the day, they just want us both to do well. So your dad does show up when you say them both? Yeah. No, my dad does show up. He's notorious for always being there. But um, And what does he do? Yeah, I don't know. I actually have no idea. I don't really ask him about it, but usually we just kind of talk about it a little bit after the game. We don't really spend too much time. You know, he takes us out for dinner after, and yeah, I don't know. He just kind of sits midway, claps when we both do something good. I don't think they're really too open about who they cheer for. So, <laughs> no favorites. No, at least not, not expressed. That I yeah, not that I know of. So, going back to volleyball, you said you started with tennis, then you transitioned about seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Turns out you're pretty good at volleyball too. Yeah. You were a six-time Alberta provincial champion, correct? Yes. And I then, in addition to that, you you played with William Aberhart School, the Orange, the mascot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the Dinos Volleyball Club, where you were a two-time national champion mm-hmm. uh, with them. You were also a member of the 2016-18 under Canadian Junior National Team and the 2016-2017 U Sports Canada West All Rookie Team, and then of course the big 2017 U Sports Champions here with the Thunderbirds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have a, a bit of a tendency to win. What's helped you find so much success on the court? Um, actually, I do give a lot of that credit to tennis itself because I really found that in tennis I was not super like mentally tough I guess I was always just kind of like shaky like I get super nervous before games and it would just be like only you out there and then the second I transitioned to volleyball I was like wow it's so much easier with five other girls on the court with me and I just kind of immediately assumed a leadership position I guess and then it just I don't know I just maybe had a little bit too much confidence growing up so that helped me out well, <laughs> with playing my... with the older kids maybe gives you that sense of yeah you know that you are competing at a high level mm-hmm. totally i had i had the experience of competition already so i think that really helped me just kind of get that confidence and really keep that like competitive edge i'm super competitive and always have been so i think that also helped some would probably say i'm a little too competitive when i was younger but you know got me to where i am so that's true and <laughs> talking about all the competition, all the titles that I mentioned. Why did you end up choosing UBC? I mean, you were one of the top scouted players in women's volleyball throughout the province of Alberta. Mm-hmm. You're from Calgary originally. Mm-hmm. Why come here if Calgary has a pretty good program? They're 16-4 and four on this year. They're actually number two in all of U sports right now. Yeah, they're doing pretty good. Yeah, it was actually it was a tough decision. I mean, it kind of just came up between, like, I don't know, both coaches are great, obviously. Natalie Guernsey at UFC, she basically like raised me through the program along with my coach Ray who I yeah was with for years and years and I guess it just kind of got to be a little bit repetitive maybe being in like the dinos program I would have been playing with the girls I've been I guess looking up to my whole like career girls that have always been playing like years older than me in the dinos and it would have been nice to stay with them but I don't know I think I was just looking for a change looking for something new I know UBC had such a successful program you know Doug I knew he was just an amazing coach I heard nothing but good things I came out here for my campus visit has he proven it true yeah well, he sure <laughs> has yeah <laughs> he's been doing good we really get along actually but um yeah I don't know I guess I would say I came out here I actually came out here 
not really having it on like a high priority i wasn't really considering it as like one of my top options i was actually deciding between ufc and ubco because my sister was there right that's what i was gonna bring up yeah she ended up in eastern bc I and know. then you're all, all the way out here on the far west yeah well i don't know i guess it just like i came out here and i was just like wow i want this is where i want to be i clicked with all the girls i did great at the practice with doug he was awesome and i just kind of thought you know i think by the ocean, Vancouver, it's definitely where I want to be. So after my campus visit, I knew. Ocean, beach. Yeah. You play on a couple different surfaces, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you had a lot of success in both indoor volleyball and beach volleyball. And that's something that only a few people can really say to play it at an elite level in both on both different surfaces. What has led you to so much success and how does your gameplay change between the two different surfaces? Um, well, I would say beach, I'm definitely a little bit more... Well, I guess not necessarily more involved in the play because I'm also a setter and indoor, so I'm touching the ball every... Setter in both, then? Um, well, no, actually, I would be the defender in beach. Right, because the positions are... Yeah, they're kind of like you have to do it all in beach. And I would just say it's a very tactical game. It's, like, much more just kind of strategy, trying to be tricky, trying to figure out, like, what's open on the court, always talking, always communicating. It's exhausting. I always get very fit after I'm playing beach compared to... Well, it's harder indoor. to get through the sand, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, yeah, it... But, yeah, it's held my game so much in indoor. I mean, defensively, my reading, just kind of like my court awareness, volleyball IQ, it's really, really helped me for that. So You actually were part of the 16 and under and then 18 and under Beach Volleyball Championship Alberta team, right? Yeah, yeah. I won in U16 and U18. So many titles. Do you keep track? (laughs) No. Do you have a trophy case at your house? I've got a a little shelf where I'll keep my, my most prize. Do you know how many you've honestly won at this point? Um, I believe I've won, I guess you could say national titles six times. I won indoor twice, as you said. I won beach twice and youth sports nationals in my first year. That was huge. That was a good one. And then um, I actually also won Canada Summer Games beach volleyball. When you were part of the junior, junior team? No, I was actually here at UBC. That was after my second year that was no that was after my first year so going into my second year I, my partner was actually Kate Pexman who is the oh who's on Calgary on I was gonna ask if you knew any of the players going coming up through that Dinos mm-hmm. uh, volleyball program so she's yeah. your friend I would imagine yeah she actually played with my sister and they were really good friends so I kind of always looked up to her in that way as well and yeah got the chance to play beach with her and we ended up beating Team Ontario and it was a pretty exciting time it was really awesome and going back to the top of this the top of the show, I mentioned some numbers, 16, 12, and 2. Why has your number changed every year? Is there a story <laughs> behind that? Um, I guess coming into first year, you kind of just are scraping the bottom of the barrel for numbers. Everyone everyone has their favorites, and you're kind of like, I guess, number 16, 17, 18, the higher numbers. And then last year, I got Danny Breezebois' number, number 12. I've always loved the number 2, so I've always tried to keep it. You know, if Was I that your number growing up? Um, It was... It, it was my school number, yeah. It wasn't my club number. I've kind of always shifted it around. It always seems to be, like, who I look up to is the number and it sh- I end up taking. And it fits very well with how you play on the court. You often change positions, right? I mean, yeah. in indoor, you'll go from outside hitter to setter. Mm. You kind of have this very fluid role, a utility role, maybe. Mm. Um, what's allowed you to play both positions so well? I mean, you, you, have multi- you play indoor and beach, and then you play mm-hmm. a couple positions in indoor. Yeah. Well, I would say... Well, growing up, actually, when I was coming through volleyball, like as a kid, I actually only was a setter. I never played any kind of other position. I was never 
like a left side, right side, nothing. So that was my only position that I had been playing. But um, I think Beach has definitely helped with that. Like, I'll say it all the time. Beach is like the reason Because you have to do everything. Yeah, basically. Like, you've got to pass, you've got to hit. So when it came to... um, Last year, when Doug wanted me to step up as a right side, um, I guess I just kind of like had been playing a lot of beach that summer. I kind of was able to fit that role. So uh, yeah, that was my first time actually playing as an outside. Was last season. Wow! So you just yeah. picked it up pretty quick. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, my coaches are always saying things like, "You look too beachy when you do this." And, <laughs> yeah. So it's I mean, fu- it's almost like a derogatory term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. That's funny. And then. Did you know that as of today, February 5th, 2019, mm-hmm. you are currently second in the league in aces per set behind none other than Kira Van Rijk, your teammate, who's on pace to break the all-time record. Oh, yeah. And you're third in the league in assists per set. What do you do you know, to improve your game year after year? Do you have any strange regimens or something mm-hmm. that you swear by, maybe a superstition? <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I guess I'm just constantly coming in every day and just thinking like how can I make the best of today's practice with how I feel right now but uh something actually before games ever since so in my first year I didn't really get to play too much it was just kind of like here and there I was the second setter yeah you were Uh, the new you were the new player yeah exactly I was still learning under Alessandra um but yeah in my first year on our seniors night we were um headed up to play the U of A pandas and they were undefeated that year coming in for our seniors night our home game undefeated pandas this was back in 2016 17 yeah the year that we won nationals this was my first year and i didn't think i was gonna play i was like nah like obviously i'm not gonna play i'm the second setter i can take it easy i wasn't watching video i was slacking off i had a full bag of these omg chocolates they're like my (laughs) favorite chocolates right before the game i just downed them because i was kind of nervous you know so i was like i'm just gonna eat all this chocolate alessandra went down in warm-up and i had to play the game and i was terrified but i ended up playing really well we ended up beating them so the chocolates helped yeah so i always try and have some piece of chocolate on game days now that's fantastic that's a great story (laughs) do you go with the whole bag still or is it just a little bit i try to keep it to a little bit but depends on how nervous i am (laughs) i'll accidentally eat the whole bags yeah and then i brought up at the top of the show you know you guys recently swept trinity western which Mm -hmm. was really crazy to think that they were unbeaten on the road you guys were able to accomplish this Mm -hmm. but it wasn't always super pretty this season you guys actually started off as a team 0-3 before going 3-5 and and then finally going on a crazy 13-2 run what do you think's changed in that time since the beginning of the year to now um I guess at the beginning of the year we you know we were such a new team we had so many new players. I think we had something crazy, like eight new players come in. Some a lot of rookies this year, or yeah. or some transfers, transfers. some true freshmen. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been difficult. I think finding kind of our team identity. I think that's something that is really important for our team. Like we're always like, okay, like what's our team identity? What do we kind of like play as as a collective? And it's just been something that we were like trying to find, trying to figure out like who works best where. Doug's been really changing up the lineup, but. Uh, yeah, it just kind of, we hit a point where we were like, wow, I think it was the end of the first semester we kind of started to really feel things click. And then, you know, Kira Hanley came back because she was um, away for the entire first semester. Scotland. Yeah. Studying abroad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mentioned it so many times during the broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> you guys had a lot of players missing besides her, though, with injuries mm, or yeah. various reasons. Totally. So then we've just got so much kind of depth to our bench and just kind of like trying to figure out who fits where. And I guess we just kind of clicked. 
and it's been smooth sailing since. So hopefully that just keeps going. We've pa- been Pat really goes good. back too. Yeah. Oh, she's been she's veteran been presence great. probably oh, helps. Oh yeah, helped so much. Yeah. Sam Paco Libero, she's been great. She's added, I think, a little bit of depth in a position that was really based upon rookies for mm-hmm. the most part, outside of her Goodridge and uh, Jost mm-hmm. were filling in libero duties before she came back. And there's been a bit of a interesting new addition with Worsley, but the libero is a position this year that for you guys, at least it seems, that's kind of always in uh, in flux. It's changing to a degree. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's been, we've got a lot of people that can get the job done in that position, which is great, but I mean, Sam's a pretty steady presence back there and she's been doing great this year and she's been really great for us, so it's been awesome, yeah. I brought up Kira Van Rijk earlier and I want to touch on her a bit more. She's putting up some historic numbers. Mm-hmm. She's just a sophomore, which yeah. is pretty astounding. It's insane. What's it been like playing beside someone who's on pace to set a new single season record for aces and is one of the top all time, well at least she's on pace for it, in total kills in a season? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I'm, like, so lucky I got to set her. I mean, it's just, like, she spent the entire summer with the national team, and she has just made, like, so many improvements in her game, like, physically, mentally. She's really just a tank out there, like, so much trust in her. She's just an athlete, and she's super awesome to have on our team. Just, obviously, such a force. Yeah, she's great. And as a bit of a sign-off here... I was wondering, what does the future hold for you? I saw that you're actually a coach in training. Are you an official coach now? It's for the Extreme (laughs) Calgary Volleyball Club, right? Yeah, well, actually, most of my coaching experience has really come from these volleyball camps. They're week-long. They're in Alberta, the Jasper Volleyball Camps and the Sylvan Lake Volleyball Camps. Nice places to do a volleyball camp. it's amazing. It's my favorite time of the year, really, and I just, like, I really do love coaching those kids, so. Midsummer, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, in July. Yeah, and it's just awesome. Made a lot of friends, love the kids, love coaching. So, yeah, who knows? So, Coach Doug Reimer may be rubbing (laughs) off on you a bit. His passion may be influencing your future. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe one day I'll be coming back to sit on the bench at UBC when I'm older. (laughs) (laughs) Well, great. Thank you so much for coming and spending some time with me today. It's been a pleasure to have you on Thunderbird Eye, and good luck for the rest of the season. Yeah, thank you. Where do you see it going? Um, well, hopefully right to the top, looking for that championship. Got to improve on the bronze, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, especially after beating Trinity, we're definitely feeling like we really have a chance this year, so we're going to keep working towards that. Thank you so much, Liv Ferlin. Jacob Ayer here, sitting down with Olivia Ferlin, the setter on UBC and sometimes outside hitter, <laughs> here today for the women's volleyball team. Thank you for tuning in to Thunderbird Eye. That was Jacob Ayer speaking with UBC women's volleyball Olivia Furlan about her sports career and what makes her tick as an athlete. If you want to get to know more about her, you can follow her on Instagram at live underscore Furlan. And if you missed some or all of that conversation, you can listen to it later in our archives at CITR.ca. Looking ahead to the rest of the show, basketball spluttered to finish the regular season in a slightly concerning fashion. Hockey had some glorious highs and some equally crushing lows. Women's Rugby 7s wasn't perfect like they were a few weeks ago, but they were still very good and they're still on top of the standings. Track took care of business down in Richmond and the swim teams continued their tune-up for the fast-approaching national championship meet. And we're going to start with basketball. Probably the most disappointing sport of this past weekend, which is... Very unusual as of late. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wasn't wasn't a banner weekend for Thunderbirds basketball. Not great. Uh, women's team, they split their road series against Alberta, dropping the first game 84-73. to Keelan Filowich, 23 points and 10 rebounds, but she also 
Seven had uh, seven turnovers. Kate Johnston scored 15 points on seven of eight shooting, her highest scoring total since November 1st. And Jessica Hansen dropped 11 points in the loss. Yeah, just as we discussed before, um, not a very bright night for Madison Penn, who was uncharacteristically quiet on that night. Um, she had just nine points and three rebounds, both season lowest, and shot just two to eight from the field. Um, Gabrielle Langretta has also gone cold. After a scorching start to the New Year, she shot zero to five from the field in this one and has missed 11 straight threes. The Thunderbirds in this one did shoot 50% from the field uh, compared to 41% for the Golden Pandas. That's obviously better, but as Jake alluded to, they turned it over 22 times, gave up 20 offensive rebounds. Besides Filowich and Madison Legault, she was the only other Thunderbird who had more than three re- three rebounds. She had six. I mean, the, the rebounds, game. pretty crazy given that this team, top of Canada West in rebounds per game. They got Filowich and Penn, the Twin Towers in the middle, and you're, and you're giving up 20 offensive rebounds yeah. to Alberta. And even on the road, too, not great. You're not going to win like that. They didn't, but they bounced back the next night. They beat Alberta 90-85 to 85 in overtime. Filowich absolutely dominated in this one. 31 points, Revenge. 10 of 15 shooting. Also had 10 rebounds for the monstrous double-double. Penn bounced back with 20 points of her own, and Hansen dropped 17 to lead UBC to victory. It was similar in the rebound category, though. They actually gave up 21 offensive rebounds in this game. They got away with it, though, in the end. Uh, Big factor was cutting down on the turnovers. They also held Alberta at only 34% shooting. I mean, 41 offensive rebounds in two games. Yeah. Well, they made it work in the second one. I mean, if the Thunderbirds had gotten 41 offensive rebounds, like I would have understood that given like how good they are in that area. But giving up that much is... A little bit insane. That's not a great sign moving forwards, given that Alberta, they could play them in the playoffs, but hopefully it's more of a blip and not a not a long-term trend. Yeah, but like on the on the other side, UBC was also able to grab some points back from the other side. And um, just as I said before, UBC was also greatly helped by their ability to get into the full line, actually. They shot 36 free throws compared to just 14 for Alberta and had 26 out of them, which is 72%. And that was Lebea Fulwich, who shot 11 to 13 from the full line. She was also named Canada's second star of the week for her performance. A great weekend for Fulwich and... Uh not sure if may- maybe a bit of the refs giving the Thunderbirds a friendly whistle, but either way, you're going to take those points anyway you yeah, can get exactly. them. <laughs> Solid conversion rate for the Thunderbirds, which is something they've improved on, which is good. But defense, a little bit concerning. Uh, entering the weekend, Thunderbirds, the entering the weekend, their season high for points allowed was 79. They gave up over 80 in both games. That's... <laughs> not great. They've given up an average of just 68 points this season. They had almost... Uh, Regression by almost 20 points in both those games compared to their average. So hopefully they'll get back on track in that end in the upcoming playoffs. Yeah, I'll call it a blip. I'll say, yeah. <laughs> the, the whole weekend, it's, it's just a blip. It's just we, weird. We've got nothing Strange to worry about. <laughs> yeah, so regular season is over, of course. So we can look at some Thunderbirds who got onto all-time Canada West leaderboards this season. Some record setters out there. So Filowich, she had 12 double-doubles, which was tied for ninth all-time, and she shot 60.32% from the field, which is good for 14th all-time. And these are all uh, single-season yeah. marks. <laughs> yeah. 12 double-doubles, that's not the all-time mark for a Canada West career. <laughs> yes, in a single season. Penn had 11 double-doubles, which is tied for 15th all-time, and grabbed 164 defensive rebounds, good for 12th all-time. And Hansen, 2.3 assist to turnover ratio is 12th all time. 
I mean, like I mentioned earlier, the Twin Towers in the middle. Penn, where were those defensive rebounds <laughs> against Silverio? I don't know. <laughs> grab 164 all season, top 15 all time, and you give up 41 offensive rebounds to Alberta. Unacceptable. Uh, the men's team, they were not able to split their series against Alberta. In fact, their 16-game win streak came to a crashing halt against the Golden Pandas. They were swept to end the regular season on a low note, losing more games this past weekend than they did the pre, uh, all the rest of the season combined. Uh, first game, 85-75 to 75 loss. Jaden Coey scored a game-high 20 points. Grant Shepard was efficient with 17 points, 9 rebounds, 8 of 9 shooting. But UBC did not get much offense outside of those two. Yeah, the offense really ground to a halt in this one. The Thunderbirds shot 41% from the field, which was short compared to 49% from Alberta. Uh, the big factor here, only 6 of 32 from beyond the arc. Yeah, that's, that's not, that's, I'm not a mathematician, but <laughs> that's, that's not great. Yeah, we're not going to tell you the percentage there, but it's not good. They also only had 6 assists. Funnily enough, it was uh, Grant Shepard who led the team with 3. Yeah, uh, the what th- everyone expected. Yeah, of course. <laughs> The Thunderbirds survived last weekend without Manroop Claire, but his absence was really felt this weekend. Isaiah Familia, who's been filling in for Claire in the past few games, he was held scoreless in this one. Mason Borsier, Patrick Simon, and Grant Audu scored a combined 27 points, shooting 10 for 31. I mean, Claire's absence highlighted that even though they have depth usual, uh, usually in terms of scoring, Claire's really along with Coey and Shepard, one of the three main pieces. Exactly. You got Bourset, Simon, Odu, but they're more secondary scores. And if you lose one of your top three, not only is it more pressure on Coey and Shepard, it's more pressure on everyone else. It means the the opponent's defense can key in on everyone else, make it harder for them. And uh, Thunderbirds were not able to step up enough on the offensive end yeah. in the first game. And neither were they in the in the second game. Very similar to the first. Thunderbirds lost 87-79. to Kohi dropped 27 points, but no one else on the Thunderbirds scored more than 11. Shepard scored just 10, which is his lowest total since October 27th, while Boursier scored 9 for his lowest scoring weekend of the season in the two games combined. He had just 11 points on 4 of 15 shooting. Yeah, and adding on to that, the Thunderbirds shot 42% from the field and 10 to 30 from three. The Golden Pandas shot 53% and outbound the UBC 43 to 29. That 29 was actually the Thunderbirds' season low by a decent amount. Yeah, and similarly, women's. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, we we have a lot of rebounding news for yeah. you. A lot of things just going. This just how how is this happening? I don't it's know. Not like Claire's grabbing a ton of rebounds per game. Like, I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah, coming into the weekend, the Thunderbirds were averaging over 50 rebounds a game. That led Canada West by a huge amount. They were also top three in the conference in assists at over 17 a game, but they had just 16 in the two games against Alberta combined. I mean, 29 rebounds when you're averaging 50 a game is pretty insane in terms of a drop. And a bit of a worrying note, on the season, Thunderbirds are now just shooting 31% from three. That's 12th in the conference. And Claire, although he's not the best shooter by percentage, given in terms of volume, he's probably their best shooter adjusted for that. Uh, And he's out now. Who knows? He might come back sometime in the playoffs. He might not. They might have to go to Nationals without him. If they make nationals, hopefully they do, knock on wood. But uh, Concordia, 
looking ahead at everyone else in the top 10, is the only other team in that top 10 shooting below 33% from deep. They're shooting 26% from three. They've got their own issues over there on the yeah. East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole different ballgame over there. <laughs> Some, something yeah. the Thunderbirds are really going to have to look at uh, as they get this week off before the playoffs. Yeah, uh, but on a positive note, the men's team also had a couple players reach the all-time Canada West leaderboard this season. That includes Grant Shepard, who shot 66.7% from the field, which is the top 15 all-time, and Claire, which um, who shot 90.5% from the free throw line. That's tw- uh, top 20 all-time players. Yeah, and unfortunately, not a, we don't actually know where exactly in the top 15 or top 20 that is because the Canada West record boards uh, were not updated recently. <laughs> we, they made it up there. We know that for That's sure good. but uh, <laughs> we don't we don't know where exactly could yeah. be 15th could be ninth who knows either Someone. way Shepard Claire very yeah. efficient players hey, they both had great seasons both, both great yeah. seasons okay um, moving on to hockey on the women's side it was a roller coaster of a weekend for the Thunderbirds as they took on Manny Toba the number one ranking team in the country on the road on Friday UBC jumped out to a 2.0 lead behind goals from Michaela Ogzorni Swick, sorry for that, and Ryland McKinnon. But two goals from Manitoba's Lauren King sent the game to overtime, where it was Natasha Kostenko for the Bisons who scored the winners to take the game 3-2. Yeah, very tough loss for the Thunderbirds this one. Going toe-to-toe, number one ranked team in the country, on the road, shot count dead even through the first two periods, and then the Bisons, they show why they're number one. They turned it on late. They outshot UBC 13-5 in the third got a crucial goal from Keene, and then they scored on the first shot of overtime, not letting UBC establish any momentum there. Yeah, and um, the Thunderbirds scored their, uh, the second goal on the power play and went 1-5 on the night. Not great, but not awful at the same time. But a turning point came halfway through the third, when UBC was up 2-1, to had a power play, couldn't convert, and then immediately gave out the tying goal. Yeah, I, I find it harsh to harp on a 1-5 for five yeah. on the power play, but at the same time, if they could convert right there it'd be up 3-1 with just a few minutes to go yep. be a huge yeah. win against Manitoba and instead Manitoba gets the big kill they get the goal and then they go on to win the yeah. game it's yeah. the kind of stat you bring up in a game like this that's just a killer mm-hmm. those could have been right uh, it was also the most goals given up by the Thunderbirds in a game since November 16th when they lost 3-2 to to Manitoba so <laughs> yeah. I think that's pretty good <laughs> like things they, come full circle yeah. yeah it's all coming back again and on Saturday, the game was 3-2 again, but this time it was the Thunderbirds who came out on top in the shootout victory. The score was 1-10 Manitoba after two periods. Then the Thunderbirds took the lead in the third through back-to-back power play goals from Shaley McCornell and Hannah Corral. Before Kostanko scored another clutch goal to tie it up later, the game went the distance and Tori McClash came through with three saves in the shutout, while Mathia Fisher scored the only goal of the shutout to grab the win for the Thunderbirds. This one was almost another heartbreaking loss very for the close. Thunderbirds. <laughs> yeah. Very, very close. Despite getting outshot 30-21, to 21, they looked like they were going to hold on for a 2-1 win before Kostenko scored with, hear me here, three seconds left in regulation wow. to tie the game. Thankfully, the Thunderbirds pulled it out. They won in the end. but that was It would have been absolutely brutal, especially considering how they lost the first game. Yeah. Losing If they lost two in a row in overtime after giving up a retire with... Three seconds left. That's uh, <laughs> thankfully we didn't have to talk about that, and we can instead talk about how UBC they've been having success with the more of an offense by committee. They've had a lot of different goal scorers mentioned, a lot of different names so far. We haven't even mentioned so uh, until now their leading scorer, rookie Ashley McFadden. Uh, she 
not top 10 in the conference in scoring. You, Thunderbirds don't have anyone in the top 10 of the conference to score. McFadden is 13th, but they have six skaters who have double-digit points, and that's more than any other team except Manitoba, of course, because Manitoba is doing the everything, best, yeah. apparently. <laughs> yeah, but because it's like, after all, hockey is still a, co- a collaborative t- sports. And uh, speaking of that, Thunderbirds also have their share of young contributors. McFadden is second among the rookies in scoring, while McKinnon and Quarrel are third and sixth, first and fourth among the, the defensemen. Yeah, so the Thunderbirds, they return home this weekend for their final two games of the regular season against fifth place Regina, looking to get some more momentum before the playoffs after big weekend against Manitoba. Yeah. And on the men's side, it was a table of two different story of uh, two different men's hockey team this past weekend for UBC as they took on the now 6 uh 6-18 Manitoba Bisons. On Friday night, they lost 2-0, getting shut out for a third straight game. However, on Saturday night's fourth year forward, Chase Clayton scored a hat-trick as he led the team to a huge 6-2 victory. Yeah, Friday not pretty. Uh, Thunderbirds racked up 55 penalty minutes. This included Tyler Sandu, got a 10-minute misconduct in the first period. Kyle Becker, 10-minute misconduct in the second period. Becker then got a game misconduct in the third period. And then finally, goalie Patrick Dea, who wasn't even playing, got a game misconduct in the third period from the bench. How could that ever happen? <laughs> it's, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure what got into the Thunderbirds. Like I understand you're losing, but... You're not getting blown out, and you're taking all these penalties. Absolute insanity. I like to think this guy was sitting there on the bench watching the rest of his teammates get these players, and he just wanted in on the action. <laughs> he jumps over he's the He's twiddling boards. his thumbs for the first two periods, and then at the end, he's like, nah, I gotta. I gotta be on there. I gotta get into this. Uh, in between all those penalties, there were actually a couple goals scored, but they were both scored by the Bisons. Sean Christensen scored shorthanded in the last minute of the first, and Keaton Jamison scored on a two-man advantage in the last minute of the game. Again, you're down one nothing late, and you give a two-man advantage to the other team. Like, What are you doing? <laughs> I'm just surprised. It, it's that... around the same time Dea got his misconduct, so there's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just surprised that... The Bisons were actually shorthanded at one point in this game. Yeah. I don't, like, with I'm the amount of sure penalty minutes happened. we racked up, I don't know how they were at ever point below us, the number of players on the ice. But Yeah. Um, just add on to that, UBC did outshot the Bisons 23-22, to but they were unable to get anything past Byron's bricks, making it 64 shots without a goal in three games for the Thunderbirds. And special teams was a difference. Uh, UBC went 0-5 to on the power play, including a double minor in the third. They failed to take advantage of. Well, only, well, not only did the Bisons score with a man advantage, but they also got a shorthanded goal. And uh, thankfully, Saturday was a different story as the offensive game um, fi- finally broke. Taylor Sandu scored halfway through the first, breaking up 191-minute goal drought. And from there, the f- uh, the floodgates opened. Adam Rosigo and Colton Keeler each scored one, and Chase Clayton scored a hat-trick in the blowout win. And before we go on, I just want to reiterate, 191 minutes without a goal until... Halfway through the first period of this game, that's, again, absolute insanity. I'm not sure what's going on with this men's <laughs> hockey team, especially because uh, Clayton only had two goals all season coming into this game, but the fourth-year forward ended his final regular season home game with his first Canada West hat trick. Just Stranger it, things have happened, I guess. Strange couple yeah. of weekends for this men's team. Yeah, yeah. UBC absolutely dominated the first period this time. They outshot Manitoba 26-8. to Bisons did outshoot the Thunderbirds 22-17 to over the next two periods, but the damage was done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And given that 
they were shut out for three state games before this one. It only makes sense that they would score six yeah. in this game, tied their season high, first time they've hit that mark since late September. It's it's been building up. They've just they've been saving their energy. Uh, they cut down their penalty time, which was nice. It only took ten minutes of penalties. Didn't really get a chance to work with the power play though. They had just thirty nine seconds of power play time. Bit odd that you'd have that little. A lot of offsetting penalties in this game. They were they were taking turns. And I mean, if they gave up a shorthanded goal in the last one, maybe that was maybe maybe, maybe, maybe was that a was good intentional. Thing. We'll take our chances at even strength. Yep, yeah, and last but not least, the Thunderbirds will take last place Regina on the road this weekend to end their regular season. Awesome. We're going to move to track now. Uh, dominance was the theme this past weekend when the Thunderbirds took to the track again at the Harry Jerome Indoor Games over at the Richmond Olympic Oval, winning the Pacific World Cup title as the top university at the event for the fourth consecutive year. Both the men's and women's teams put forward fantastic performances across the board, but it was Sienna Lalonde who posted the sole first-place finish among UBC athletes, winning the 600-meter with a time of 134.31, while fellow T-Birds Haley Madden and Leah McWilliam finished just behind in third and fourth place, respectively. Yeah, but, I mean, the biggest news of the weekend, they're all on the same team. They yeah. got registered as the same side. No more Vancouver Thunderbirds. No, was it Vancouver Thunder? It was Vancouver Thunderbirds and the UBC team and as the UBC two separate team. We, they combined forces and they crushed, as you would expect when you combine two teams of that magnitude. A couple of events this weekend besides the women's 600 meters featured Thunderbirds dominating leaderboards. The men's 600 saw Paul Fisher, Jake Hanna, and brothers Nathan and Sam Lowen finish pl- uh, in places second through fifth. In the women's 1500, Michaela Tinkham finished second, Madeline Huston in third, Madeline Brunt in fifth, and Enid Au in sixth, meaning all of them earned points for the UBC team. And even though none of them got first, it was clear that UBC was dominating those events. Exactly. And uh, Nathan and Sam Lewis actually from my high school. Oh, wow. Yeah. Connections there. Connections. <laughs> yeah. First year, Trinity Hansma, one of the winners of the women's high jump last weekend in Seattle, earned another podium spot. She finished second with a height of 1.65 meters. Heather Betts in the same event took fourth. She was at 1.55 meters. Plus, on the men's side, Caleb Quay ended up second, clearing 1.95 meters. All in all, really a successful meet for the UBC jump specialists. Yeah, and after that, Thunderbirds will head back town um, south next weekend for UW's Husky Classic and Indoor Open. Indoor Open hoping to replicate their recent success. We're going to take a quick break now. We'll be back soon after the ads. When you join Balloon Club, we guarantee that you will be able to make a balloon poodle within the first day. Here at the UBC Ant Club, we just like to talk about ants and compare ant farms. Uh, It's really cool. Paperclip Club is all about, well, paperclips mostly. At Blah Club, you can blah blah, blah 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 blah. Explosions. There's only one club worth joining at UBC, and that's CITR 101.9 FM. We got free tickets to shows, whirly pops, professional help, and all types of audio engineering, passes to festivals, crazy parties, live band swag, all types of crazy people. Our programming manager rides a motorcycle. There's freestyle rapping, Nardwar, the human serviette, the vinyl and record libraries, Discorder magazine, free studio recording, and it sure beats the hell out of Paperclip Club, which is a thing that I just made up because I work at CITR. So come check us out on the floor of the Student Union Building. We got all types of crazy shit for you to do. Or check us out online at www.citr.ca. We don't need to tell you that Vancouver has a housing problem. Mass evictions. Mass rent evictions. Unfair rent increases. What happened to rent control and protection from unfair eviction? 
If these or other housing matters concern you, you may be interested in joining the Vancouver Tenants Union. For more information, visit tenantsunion.ca. Hello and welcome back to Thunder Red Eye. We are now going to take a look at SWIM. Yep, uh, moving on to UBC. SWIM team, they actually competed last weekend at the Pacific Sea Wolves Winter Invitational Swim Meet, their second last event before the national championships. The Thunderbirds did what they do the best and topped the tournament, as usual. Yeah, the meet was used to prepare the team for the long course, a.k.a. the 50-meter pool. That's the kind of racing that we will see at the finals of the U Sports. Odlum Brown Swimming Championships, February 21st to 23rd, with the Thunderbirds looking to extend their dominant national championship streaks. Yep, and uh, UBC swimmers Marcus Thormayer, Emily Overholt, Olivia Eller, Megan Dolk, Quincy Brozo, Jaren LaFranc, Halle Fenn, Alex Pratt, Ingrid Wilm, and Brody Young all won events over the weekend. A lot of Thunderbirds doing well, and Saturday, Holy Fan will actually be traveling to Doha, Qatar, to compete in the first installment of the 2019 FINA/HOSA Marathon World Swim Series, 10-kilometer open water course. Hopefully, he comes back okay. That's pretty cool, though. I mean, uh, yeah, I guess it'll be very nice weather over there. Yeah. Yep, and also as a collective, the Thunderbirds will head to Victoria this weekend, minus Fan and Anastasia Loginov to compete against UVic and SFU in one last meet before heading back here to host the Nationals. Great. We're going to take a look at Women's Rugby Sevens now. It was the Canada West Women's Rugby Sevens Series this past weekend, hosted by our friends at UFV. It saw the Thunderbirds play six games over the weekend. Day one started out well for the Thunderbirds. They began play with a 27-14 win over the Alberta Golden Pandas before rocking UBCO by a score of 57-7. Unfortunately, the day was not perfect as UBC fell in their final game against the UVic Vikes, a frustrating 26-5 decision. Yeah, that Pandas game, even though it ended well, looked a little bit dicey for the Thunderbirds because Alberta actually held a 14-5 lead at the half thanks to tries by Savannah Dubian and Courtney Holcamp. Luckily, uh, the good guys came back, uh, turned on after the break. Four unanswered tries to put the game away for UBC. Delaney Akins, she scored the only first half try for the Thunderbirds, and she scored the last two bookmarking the game after Rory Wood and Kaylee King tallied the other UBC scores. Yeah, the second game was actually never in doubt with UBC blowing out the heat by 50. Wood and rookie Viviana Johnson each and had one try. Um, Akins again posted three and King lit up the score sheet with four tries, although they all came after the Birds had already established a 28-7 lead. A bit bit of a stat padding there from, yeah. uh, from we'll yeah. to her. <laughs> We'll allow it. But obviously the UVic game was the low point for the Thunderbirds. After two strong performances, they were stymied by the Vikes. UBC actually got on the board first with Wood's third try of the day. But after that, it was all Victoria. Four tries coming from four different players. Paige Ferries and Brooke Bazion scored in the first half. Renee Gonzalez and Maddie Aberg in the second half. They salted this one away. And even though they only scored five points, not that bad considering that both of Victoria's other two wins that day were shutouts. Mm. They first beat the the Golden Pandas 25-0 to with five tries and five missed converts. <laughs> Not exactly what you'll see, but they still dominated before laying a beatdown on UFV, destroying the host 61 nothing. Don't have they don't have any manners. How are you going to treat your host like that? I, it's it's I, awful. I was upset reading that. It was really <laughs> interesting. You bring up the five tries and five missed converts. You look at some of the score sheets, and in some of the games, Uvic would miss a ton of converts, and in some of them, they would make almost all of them. It's very black and white for the Vikes when it comes to uh, 
Converting I'm sure they're tries. fine with how they played overall. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have much to complain about. On day two, the Thunderbirds went undefeated, had a perfect 3-0 record, landing them second place for the series and keeping them first overall in the season standings. They had to battle the elements just as much as their opponents, as relatively sunny weather on Saturday was followed by snow and freezing winds on Sunday, with temperatures hovering around Five degrees below zero. Ouch. Wow. Yeah, the Not polar vortex day. is real. Yeah. And um, UBC's first match of the day was against Calgary, who the Thunderbirds beat 35-5 to in the first series of a few weeks ago. Brutal. And uh, this time it was much closer as after King scored the opening points for UBC, Calgary battled by- back and took a 7-5 to lead. However, Aikens put the Thunderbirds back in front right before halftime. Then King scored the only try of the second half and UBC took a 15-7 to win. Now, I mentioned just a few seconds ago how Victoria didn't have any manners of how they treated their hosts. Well, Thunderbirds, they've got they've got to they've got to apologize to UFE as well because they beat them fifty to nothing. <laughs> Johnson scored three tries. Madison Bluson not two of her own, and poor UFE. They're they're hosting everyone. They're providing these fields, and they're just getting the smackdown laid on them. I checked after that game against UBC, they lost forty five nothing to Calgary. It's just never gonna host them again. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we're we, sorry. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're very sorry, Fraser Valley. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's 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 not you. It's yeah. the weather. It's the we, weather. We had, That's we what had, it was. Yes. It <laughs> we, was. Had, we had to take it out on someone. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The last game of the day was against Lethbridge, and yet it, yet again it came down to the final whistle. The two teams traded tries in this one. King put the first points on the board for UBC. Lethbridge tied it. King scored again to put UBC up 10-5 at the half. Lethbridge tied it again in the second. Then Aiken scored with barely any time left on the clock to win it 15-10. And another game with five tries, another game with five missed converts. These were the the only two games with uh, without any made converts was uh, this game and then the UVic blowout earlier on uh, on the weekend. Yeah, and uh, after that, UBC ended the theory uh, with a five to one record and twenty one points, three points behind Victoria, and they hold a two points lead over the Vikes in the overall standings. The champion will be crowned next month in the third and final series here at UBC on March second and third. Now, before we wrap up, we're gonna again take a look at how the postseason is shaping up for six of our Thunderbird teams basketball. It is now set with the regular season over, while hockey and volleyball have clearer pictures of what's at stake in the next week or two as uh, things wrap up in their regular seasons. Yeah, and speaking of women's basketball, the Thunderbirds ended the re- their regular season 14-6, to which is fifth in Canada West. This means they play 12th seed Winnipeg's at home this Saturday in the wild card game. The Westmen are 8-12, 5-5 to on the row, and the Thunderbirds have not played them this season. So if UBC wins, they will play a best-of-three quarterfinal series on the road against Alberta. We, we saw how that might go mm-hmm. uh, or this past weekend. Yeah, It was a blip. <laughs> it, was all, it was all... I mean, the women's did fine. It was more the men's. Yeah. That, that was a blip. Yeah. Women's... Yeah. Maybe a tiny blip. And uh, looking at the predictions, first point on the board for moi. I predicted the women's basketball team would finish fifth. Eric and Jake predicted fourth. Looking at men's basketball, in terms of record, the Thunderbirds 17-3 and was good for second in Canada West. However, the conference uses RPI ratings percentage index It's uh, to determine the playoff seeding. It's some sort of complicated formula that involves strength of schedule and the like. And the two losses to Alberta meant that the Golden Pandas, despite having a 15-5 and record, jumped ahead of UBC and RPI and dropped UBC to the third seed. 
And this is huge because if both UBC and Alberta make the semifinals, which they'll be favored to, the Thunderbirds will be the road team. And we saw what happens when they're playing on the road in Alberta. <laughs> they do have a bye through the wildcard round. They get chance to sort through uh, whatever they need to work through, and they'll host a best-of-three quarterfinal series against some team that wins the wild card around, who knows, from February 14th to 17th. And me and Eric and Jacob predicted they'd all finish second, which is both right and also wrong at the same time. Yeah, you know... We're going to call it right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll give you guys the point on that one. It's a, it's a silly system. <laughs> RPI. 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 Who knows how it works. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, looking at women's hockey now... They split their series against Manitoba this weekend, so women's hockey will not be able to catch them in the standings. They will finish third. This weekend could be a playoff preview as UBC will host either Mount Royal or Regina at home in the quarterfinals. And they're playing Regina this weekend. They're playing weekend. Regina this weekend. When we're looking at the predictions, Woo! Jake predicted third place. He's right again. Eric predicted second, and Jacob predicted fourth. I just want to say this entire playoff prediction format that we're doing was Jake's idea and I think this was just his way <laughs> no, to pat himself. No, it was it was Jacob's idea. All right. I'm just going to say I I <laughs> Jacob never on air air. Yeah, Corey's just jealous he was not a part of the team when this was done. I guess. <laughs> uh, looking at men's hockey, we know that they will play Mount Royal in the quarterfinals, but the question is, who will have home ice? Just one point separates the fourth-place Cougars and the fifth-place Thunderbirds, so both teams have something to fight for this weekend. I believe Mount Royal is playing Lethbridge, who are also a playoff team, while UBC plays Regina, who are last place in the conference, so hopefully UBC will get that home ice advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and moving on to women's volleyball. They have a bye this uh, last weekend, but the teams around them didn't. So while the women's team is now in fifth, they're the only one game back of Regina and have two games in hand of them. It's still possible for them to rise as high as third, but to do that, they will have to first be Winnipeg this weekend. And add on to that, um, our favorite Kieran Reich was just named Canada was Female Athlete of the Month for the second time this season. I mean, really, it's a back-to-back for her because there was no Athlete of the Month for December because... There was barely any action in December, yeah. and she won it in November. So November, January, pretty great for her. And also third straight month that a UBC athlete has been an Athlete of the Month because Christian Lee Heitnen of Men's Soccer was Men Athlete of the Month in October. Some good Thunderbirds. Let's keep the streak going. Yeah, Van Rijk, do it a third month in a row. What's stopping you? <laughs> yeah. The men's volleyball team also had a bye this past weekend. They're currently tied for eighth in the conference with Winnipeg, who they play this weekend. Though they aren't the final games of the regular season, these two clashes against the Westmen might decide which team makes it to the playoffs. It'll be a very, very tense weekend. And with that, thank you for tuning in to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. And thank you again to Olivia Ferlin of UBC Women's Volleyball for being on the show. Besides listening to the show, the best way to keep up to date with UBC Thunderbird's news, standings, and stories is to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at CITR Sports. Next up on CITR is the Arts Report. For Thunderbird Eye, this has been Jake, Liz, and Corey with contributions from the pre-recorded Jacob Bear. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful rest of your evening.